What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling these stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information athletic communications profession. Uh, Mike and I kind of met briefly last year at Cosida in Orlando. It was about a six-hour ride for him to take him and some of his crew uh, from Georgia State on down, and he was in a podcasting panel that me and um, John Rubin hosted. Uh, the creative day at Cosida, and uh, he became a fan of the show, and he tweeted us afterward and said how much he enjoyed it, how much he enjoyed the presentation itself, and how he planned to start a podcast and uh, at for the Panthers at Georgia State, uh, which he intends to do starting this August, fall, summer range, and then I said, you should come on the show sometime, and that's coming up on about a year now, and uh, as I was looking for guests, I was thinking about people I wanted to have on, and um, Mike's name came up. As I was looking through my followers on Twitter, and then I realized our conversation that we had, and I knew that uh, he was a guy that I had to get on ASAP, and I, I was not disappointed. We will talk about a lot of about uh, job movement, um, how some young professionals make the mistake of moving laterally, maybe getting a little too anxious in one spot um, instead of being patient. We'll talk about when it's right to move, um, what it can do for you if you stay. And things of that nature. So before we get into today's episode, uh, if you guys haven't already, subscribe to the show. I know that there are a couple people out there, I believe, who do pick up on these episodes uh, via our website. And then just don't subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or anything like that of that nature. Um, Go ahead and go do that. And once you do that, it just takes a couple seconds to leave a one or a five star. um, And then you can uh, leave us a review. That just takes a couple seconds. I know we got a handful of them right now. And for the most part, they're good. I haven't seen one yet that's bad. Um, I'm sure there's somebody out there that absolutely hates this show. Uh, I don't I don't know what to say to that person. But a- anyway, I think that uh, most of our listeners enjoy the show very, very much. And um, I enjoy doing this. I get occasional emails and stuff about how much... If it's a new listener, they'll email me or send me a DM on Twitter and... Um, uh, they'll just say how much they enjoy it. So if you can, uh, and you're willing, and it only takes a couple seconds, leave us a rating and a review. That way, other SIDs, athletic communications professionals, young professionals, uh, maybe people thinking about becoming an SID or working with the office, uh, can see that, and they'll be able to listen to some of these episodes. And as Ken Badalak, uh has quoted our show as the 60 minutes of sports information, so that'll kind of give them a deep dive into actually what all this profession is about and the people inside of it. So that that's my goal. But uh, anyway, you can email me anytime, sportsinfocast at gmail.com or website sidcast.fireside.fm. Yes, FM as in the radio station. And then you can e- or, uh, follow me personally at David Gibson underscore XC on Twitter. Uh, and then you can friend me on Facebook. I really don't care. Um, I just love to meet the people that enjoy the show thoroughly. So uh, with that being said, guys, let's get to today's episode number 76 of SIDcast with Mike Holmes of the Georgia State Panthers and his very first taste of sports information right here on SIDcast. is a little different than most um inadvertently i probably got my first taste while i was in high school um i moved down from new jersey uh in the middle of my freshman year of high school uh down down here to georgia 
And uh, a couple weeks in, um, the PE teacher, who also happened to be the boys' basketball coach, um, came over to me and, you know, and asked if I had any interest in working with the team. Um, and, and growing up, I played, as I like to tell students here at Georgia State, I played everything and excelled at nothing. Um, so I love basketball, love watching, still, you know, enjoy playing a little bit uh, nowadays. Um, but it seemed like something interesting I could get involved in. Um, while I was still playing golf and tennis um, at my high school. And, and so I kind of got involved. And by the time I was a senior there, um, it evolved from a manager type role um, into almost kind of like an assistant coach type role. Um, I would do stats during the game, um, you know, help the film, do whatever whatever the case case that was. Um, so I kind of think that was my first taste, and I think long term um, is something hopefully that you know as Cosada keeps growing, we can get more high schoolers to kind of start to to know what sports sports information sports communications field are. Um, it what it led to was uh, through my mom. She actually uh, worked with the wife of um, the sports information director here at Georgia State, Martin Harmon. So when I got to Georgia State uh, back in 1998, um, he basically took a five-minute call from me, and I said, hey, you know, I don't fully know what you guys do, but I know I want to work behind the scenes in college athletics. Um, I know you guys deal with the media uh, and and stuff along those lines. Um, Is there any chance, you know, I could come swing by your office, talk for a couple minutes? You know, I wasn't looking to get paid or or anything like that, just kind of wanted – that behind-the-scenes exposure. Um, he took the call, as I said. Uh, we came in, we hit it off, hit it off quick. Um, and by the time uh, we were maybe a week or two into volleyball season, they had me start working game day stuff. Um, you know, shortly thereafter, learned stat crew, um, and, and it kind of and it kind of built from there of, of my first experience of what sports information was. Uh, you kind of mentioned getting high schoolers involved maybe with COSIDA. Um, this is a question I usually ask some people. It is a tough question. I don't mean to hit you with tough questions right off the bat, but what do you think is a good way that we can start doing that to get more exposure for the field? You know, it, and it's actually a great question. Um, I think one of the things we can do um, would actually still happen on campus. Um, you know, you always get students who are coming on visits, not just student-athletes, but students in general. Um, when they have, you know, the big room set up where you have your college of business, your college of arts and science, stuff like that, where we have a presence. Um, obviously, that takes a little bit of manpower um, and, and stuff like that, but it's kind of getting them getting them interested in what it could be before they ever get to college. Um, you know, I think it would be it would be tough to to necessarily you know figure out how to get in front of them when they're you know ninth graders or tenth graders, but as they're starting to get ready to decide you know where they want to go to college and stuff. Somehow being a part of that, you know, I went, to, I remember while I was in high school going to a couple of um, college fair type, you know, type things of, of seeing what different schools offered and, and stuff like that. So almost something along those lines. Um, I don't know exactly how it will work, but I think long term as we, you know, try to keep growing what we're doing, um, getting more students involved. That's obviously something that's big for us here at Georgia State as I'm, I'm trying to, as athletics grows, um, get more students involved that, that can not only provide help to us. Um, but we can also then help them build a resume. Um, we get plenty of students. Um, I just had a, a graduate position uh, or I have a graduate position that's open and got a lot of great resumes, but I've got a lot of resumes where people, you know, hey, I, I love sports, but I've never really worked in it. Well, how can we get those people earlier on um, to, to start working in it? And so that by the time they come to college, they know, hey, I want to go work as a student assistant in the sports communications office or the marketing office or whatever that case may be. 
Awesome. Uh, so what were some things that you kind of did while you were at Georgia State? Did they allow you to do? What were some of your responsibilities? So, yeah, you know, my, my freshman year really started off um, just kind of with a lot of game day stuff. Um, you know, whether it was the stat crew stuff or running stats or, or, or just being around, um, you know, the old helping out in the office with, with the history files and stuff like that. Um, and, and it just kind of grew. Um, I was always kind of raised that whatever you're doing, do it you know, to your best ability, whether it's, you know, maybe the most boring clerical work uh, that exists, but but do it right and do it properly. And so I think that mentality came across to the people in our office um, to the point that my sophomore year, they actually offered me a, a little bit of money um, and to basically serve as the men and women's golf contact. Um, they knew I had a, a big interest in golf, still do. Um, and, and so it kind of ran with that. It kind of grew a little more uh, my junior year. Um, to where I really had full control of those sports, was helping run the men's golf tournament um, and all that, those kind of things. And then um, it actually got to the point my senior year, they offered me um, a full-time job working with women's basketball. And the funny thing is I turned it down. Um, and people look at me now and, you know, why would you ever turn down a full-time job? It's like the most stressful thing for a college student um, after college. But I still kind of wanted to live a little bit of that normal college uh-huh. student life where you can go out on a Thursday night and, you know, have some fun and, and do all those types of things. Um, but it was something that I still didn't know if it was going to be my long-term future. Um, but that was kind of the four years of college that really, I mean, from day one, um, I worked in sports communications. Um, late in my uh, senior year, uh, actually got offered a graduate assistant position, not in sports communications, but to stay at Georgia State, working as the assistant golf coach. Huh. Um, stayed around because they were willing to pay for my degree. Um, made it for a year uh, before our head coach, uh, Trey Jones, left to take the head job down at Florida State. He's still down there. Um, and so that was kind of that was kind of where my Georgia State experience for about a five-year stretch ended. Um, I didn't know if I'd get back into sports communications. Um, on the collegiate side, I went to a conference office, the Atlantic Sun, um, and, and never knew, you know, kind of what the path would be. But, you know, obviously now that you and I are sitting here, um, that, that did come along uh, a few years later. Yeah, and uh, I, I read on your bio that you had a focus on entrepreneurship. Uh, we had um, uh, Tyler Brocious on last week. He's he's also has the same kind of degree that you had. And then we even talked with uh, Adam Martin from the Makers of Sport podcast um, on He's a big entrepreneurship guy. So what did you kind of have in mind with that? You knew you wanted to work in sport, but you got a degree in business and a focus on entrepreneurship. And you kind of, I know that you owned, uh, what was it, a sports photography business? Mm-hmm. So th- there was two parts to the logic um, when I was a student here at Georgia State. And obviously most people in sports communications do the journalism field, the communications field. And I think that is uh, a great, great degrees to get. Um, I have no knock on that whatsoever. My thought was kind of two parts. One, if I ever decided to get out of sports communications, um, I wanted to have a degree I could fall back on. So that was the business route. Um, but the other part of it was when you are getting a business degree, you're learning you know, how to write and, and do all those types of things as well. Um, so I kind of felt like I was getting the best of both worlds of not having necessarily journalism or communications degree um, and getting that. Um, as for the entrepreneurial entrepreneurship part of uh, getting a master's, um, I always wanted to open a sports bar, a uh, sports bar and seafood grill somewhere in the Caribbean. I know, not exactly what you'd be thinking when you're now dealing with somebody who's an associate AD in the sports communications field. That was kind of always the dream. Uh, I even had logos made up and all that kind of stuff. Um 
at the end of the day, I think I always just wanted to be able to control what I did and, and stuff like that. So what it ended up happening was while I was working at the Atlantic Sun, um, the photographer we had that would shoot all the championships for us, um, lived down in Florida, lived in Jacksonville. I'm a beach guy. Um, lo- always have loved the beach. And I guess I kind of went through, instead of a midlife crisis, I went through an early 20s life crisis uh-huh. of, all right, I'm going to move to the beach. He and I are going to team up, uh, go into business together. Um, and for three years, we had a ton of fun. Um, we shot a lot of collegiate athletic stuff, um, got into the youth side uh, of, of photography as well, just because there was a lot of money to make uh, on that side, and had, and had a ton of fun. Um, our best year, uh, 2007, we shot for 71 Division One programs wow. in some form, um, you know, from UCF football when they opened the new stadium down there uh, to, you know, things like Notre Dame golf. Um, we just had a lot of fun. I was living 10 minutes from the beach, single guy, just kind of, you know, having all the fun that every young person wants to have. Um, and for three years, it was absolutely great and had no regrets. Um, when the economy started to tank uh, late 2007, 2008, family was still all living up here in Atlanta and said, you know what, if an opportunity came along, um, you know, it would be time to move back. Um, ironically, in April of 2008, Georgia State launched football. Um, you know, they were still about 18 months away from actually playing a game and uh, my old boss, Charlie Taylor, had been was still here at the time, and uh, we'd still touch base and talk from every once in a while, and, and said, "Hey, you know, you got any interest in coming back? We're gonna, you know, we've got an opening. Um, this might be the right time." And, and so, you know, I jumped at it, um, and that's one of the biggest things is is when you're in not only sports communications but in any field, um, keeping those networks wide open, um, you know, staying in touch with people, don't lose track of, uh, you know people in the business, friends, uh, whatever the case may be, because you never know how one day, um, you know, when you're looking to get back in the business, uh, they can really help you out. Uh, how did you, before we get into anything with Georgia State, how did you get involved with the Atlantic Sun? Um, honestly, so my, uh, I guess it would have been my junior and senior year. Um, Georgia State at that time was in the Atlantic Sun, the old uh, Transamerica Athletic Conference. Um, I worked a couple championships for them. Um, from, from basically an intern side of, let me get some experience, um, to, you know, and obviously it's a little different. Their office, uh, from Georgia state's only about 80 miles away, um, right down in Macon, Georgia. Um, so it just seemed like kind of the right fit, um, worked a couple basketball championships and stuff like that. Um, and so it kind of grew when they had an opening, um, I was midway through, uh, working on my graduate degree. Um, I said, you know what? It's, you know, it, it just kind of felt right. Um, and so it worked out. So I, you know, uh, worked, I guess we had two media relations people at that time, uh, back then one had all the men's sports, one had all the women's sports. I, I handled all the women's, um, had a couple of championships and absolutely loved the job. Um, enjoyed really working with the, with the coaches, um, and, and all of that, you know, that side of thing with, with different sports and getting to know some things um, about some sports that I didn't know a whole lot about, uh, to be honest. Um, and the only reason I really ever thought about leaving. Um, I guess there's probably two reasons, and it's no knock on Macon, Georgia. It just wasn't the wasn't a right city for me. Uh-huh. Um, as somebody who grew up just outside of New York, um, and then lived just outside of Atlanta, I've always kind of been a big city guy. Um, so it just didn't, didn't kind of fit that mindset. Um, and then the other part was when the opportunity came, basically to move to the beach. Um, it, it was something I, I just couldn't pass up. Um, and, and so, you know, I would say to anybody that that is wanting to get into this field as as much enjoyment as you can get out of working um, at a school and the student-athletes, there's a lot of positives to working on the conference side as well because um, you do get to work with even a lot more people. 
Um, the travel's a little less hectic because um, you're really just traveling a lot during conference, you know, during conference tournaments and stuff. Um, but but it really was. It was a lot of fun. Um, I still stay in, stay in touch with the commissioner, um, Ted Gumbard, who's down there, um, and really enjoyed enjoyed those couple years. And and, and for a first job out of college, um, I couldn't have asked for much more. Yeah, perfect. So uh, that all wrapped up, and like you mentioned, the uh, Georgia State just launched their football program. Um, so what does it mean to you to be able to come back and work for your alma mater? I mean, what was the interview process like? Can you spare no detail as to what life was like during that time? Yeah, no. Uh, it, w- it was a lot of, you know, it was really interesting. Um, I am a diehard college football fan, um, have been for, for a long time. Um, and so knowing that, that my school was getting ready to start a football program literally from scratch, um, you know, the first time I was back up here, Coach Curry uh, literally had a desk and a phone. Um, and that was it. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of work put in um, that first, you know, about, I'll say year and a half, almost two years before we ever kicked off the first football game. Um, you know, there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff. We were extremely fortunate to have somebody like Coach Bill Curry uh, who had come out of, basically had come out of retirement. Um, he'd been with ESPN for uh, about, about 10 years or so. Um, and so everybody knew him. So there was really a spotlight on us that gave us um, an opportunity to tell a story about what it is to grow a program from scratch, you know, to create a first media guide to, you know, the first football staff, the first, the first signee, um, you know, the first signing day event. I mean, we were still, when we had our first signing day event, um, we didn't have a video department yet. I mean, it was still, it was all stuff that was still coming. So, I mean, you had myself and a couple of SIDs in the office, literally piecing together whatever clips we could find, and you know, of, of guys that, we had a great, you know, great couple of classes, but you're not necessarily signing, you know, the five star guy that you can find so much information about on the website. I, you know, on websites like you know Rivals and all that kind of stuff. So we kind of had to do a little extra digging, um, and, and it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we had when it first started, we really didn't even have a practice facility. Um, we basically used a, a high school field, high school practice field um, that was a couple blocks away from the stadium, just to kind of get something where we could you know get guys to be able to hit and do all those things and so we had a full year where we had practices um but we didn't play any games 2009 um which was kind of it was exciting but it was also weird because you'd go through a normal week of you know watching practice and all that kind of stuff and then saturday you'd sit at home watching other games on espn or you know abc whatever the case was um so i mean it really was when you think about starting something from scratch in any sport, you start a football program from scratch. You really are starting from the bare minimum of, of nothingness. Um, as well as we're at a school, to be honest, um, and I, I say this lovingly at Georgia State, that athletics was never um, something at the forefront of the university for a long time. Um, basically, before I got here um, in 1998 as a student, um, there really was no... Uh, there was an interest, but there really wasn't anything put forth toward it. Um, when left, Coach Lefter Giselle got here, it kind of put the basketball program on the map and got people talking at, hey, you know, there is an athletic program down there. They are doing, starting to do great things. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, that's still only 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now we talk about a football program that really is only eight years old in terms of how many seasons it's played. When you look around at some of the schools around Georgia, I mean, the University of Georgia has been playing for 110 years or whatever the case may be. Georgia Tech, which is only about three miles from our campus, has been playing for over 100 years. That's a history that you can't just develop overnight. 
Um, and obviously, you know, I used to joke with people, we live in a, a society that's now a 140 character world in, in, the, in Twitter speak. Obviously now they've made it a 280 character world, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's, that, that's the mindset of people. And the mindset is they want, you know, overnight gratification. Um, and unfortunately that's something when you're growing something from scratch and don't have a sta- don't have your own stadium to even play in, um, that, that, that's hard to do. Um, and, and there was a lot of great things we did during that time. There were a lot of missteps. Um, but what I like to think is that we, what we took out of every single one of them was that we learned, um, and we used it to grow and, and, you know, there's been other people that have called that are kind of in the same boat now, um, that are, whether they're starting to, you know, think about, you know, school's going to create a football program or whatever the case may be, or, or relaunch a football program that they used to have, um, that we can, you know, hopefully help them with some of the things of, you know, ABCD, we did great. XYZ, we did terrible. Um, and, and that was with a staff that, to be honest, we had a, a lot of football experience, um, which was a good thing. And I think that helped us a lot, especially with the media in this town. Um, it gave us some credibility right off the bat that maybe we would not have otherwise had. Um, and then at the end of the day, I mean, we had a, we had one of the most, I'll call them eloquent football coaches, um, probably to ever grace the sidelines of Coach Curry. Perfect. Uh, but we mentioned a little bit off air uh, about Atlanta itself. Uh, you mentioned Georgia Tech. Uh, you mentioned Georgia all those big name blue blood kind of programs, but mm-hmm. trying to get that his that like start from scratch, you know, to kind of tell Atlanta that hey, we have this program that's that's starting up. We've got some great games coming up against Sun Belt opponents. Um, how do you kind of go about navigating? Maybe what are some strategies you do to kind of get Georgia State that that recognition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that you you have to understand your niche first off, um, but then to go along with that you can't just assume you're going to throw stuff out there and that people are just going to gravitate immediately to it. Um, you've really got to, you know, you've got to develop those friendships and relationships with members of the media, um, whether it's TV, whether it's the print, um, so that when you do have a really good story idea, uh, they take you serious and, and they want to come and, and do something on campus. Um, rather than just throwing everything out there and hoping something sticks, it's throw something out there that you know will stick. Um, the other part of it is, to be honest, um, I use, I'll use a lot of the quote unquote non-traditional media here in Atlanta, um, that, that may not get credentialed by others. Um, I'll give them a shot and, you know, if they come in and they're, they're legitimate, um, and you know, they produce a good product, whether it's a radio show or, um, you know, an, an, an article for their blog or whatever the case may be, um, I'll utilize them. And I think what it does is it's allowing them an opportunity to cover, um, cover George state cover sports, which is what a lot of those um, folks like. Um, but it's also getting our message out to, to their audience, whether it's 100 people reading the blog um, or 1,000 people, whatever the case is, um, that hopefully it allows more people to come in and see Georgia State that might not otherwise. You know, at the end of the day, would I love to be on the, the front page of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution every day? Absolutely. Would I love for the local sports teams to, to lead the sports, you know, um, every night at at five o'clock or six o'clock in the news, absolutely. Realistically, with the market we live in, that's not you know that's not going to be the case. When when the University of Georgia does something great, like makes a run um, to the national championship, like they did this past year, I've got it. You know, if, I, if I'm going to send an email out of a, a story I really want to push, I need to do it at the right time. And doing it, you know, right in the middle of that game, it's probably going to get deleted and lost before anybody ever sees it. Um, so I, I would say my office is probably maybe a little more strategic about when we put stuff out or when we push stuff out, as well as into the, 
to, to go along with that, we a lot of times will just tell our own story, um, which I think is, is something that a lot of a lot of schools, you know, do take up op- that opportunity and, and do. I think a lot of schools maybe miss that opportunity, um, and that's something that our office um, takes a lot of great pride in of, of telling those stu- you know stories that are the behind the scenes stories that others may not necessarily pick up on. And sometimes what'll happen is we'll run a story whether it's on our website or social media platforms, and then it gets picked up by you know you know one of the you know papers or, or TV stations, and I'm completely fine with that. Because we know what our audience reach is, let's see how far we can push it, push that audience reach, you know, to to the biggest biggest individuals possible. Let's talk a little bit about maybe some career changes that somebody might have, um, whether it be moving up the ladder or, or or you know moving laterally. What are some mistakes do you think young professionals make when they go looking for a job in this field? You know, I, th- I think there's, there's two parts to that. We'll take my example first. Um, when I came back to Georgia State. Um, you know, if you wanted to, to number all the SIDs in the office, you know, I was the last guy in the totem pole, um, probably the, you know, the number four guy. Um, and what too many professionals can, can get lost in is that you can grow and, and, you know, reach the top of your field wherever you are. Um, and I've been very fortunate, you know, it took a little bit of time, but that's, that's how it takes. We're now I'm an associate AD here at Georgia State and, and overseeing the department. Um, what I do see a lot of young people at times do is they get frustrated after a couple of years and it's like, you know, all right, well, I just, I can't grow here or I can't do what I want to, you know, here. Um, and they'll go make a lateral move. And I, th- I, to me, yes, there are times where that's needed, whether it's not a work, good work environment or whatever the case may be. But I think you then basically are almost starting all over again, um, you know, with learning a new athletic director or, you know, senior staff or new boss, whatever the case is. Whereas sometimes if you just, you know, stay where you are and, and get to truly know everybody that's there and, 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 you know, put in the time, put in the dedication, um, sometimes those breaks come come your way. Um, you know, I always knew once I got back in here kind of the direction I wanted my career to go, or I guess multiple directions depending on how it all played out. Um, and one of them, as this being my alma mater, was to, to run the department. Um, and, you know, as I said, it took a little bit of time, but, you know, I always kept that in my the forefront of my mind that if I just kept doing what I was supposed to do, worked with our coaches, worked with our student athletes, worked with other departments um, within Georgia State, that if an opportunity ever came along, um, you know that hopefully I would I would get a fair shot at it, and and that's kind of that le- le- legitimately is what happened. Um, I was still kind of in that same position when we made um, our run in the NCAA tournament in 2015, and after the success we had. Uh, guy who was running our department, um, in so many words, retired, uh, moved, moved, moved away, um, and I was given the opportunity um, from our AD who came to me and said, you know, you've done everything right, you, you, you've worked hard, obviously Georgia State means a lot to you, do you want to be the guy that runs the department? Um, and so I took, you know, I don't know if I was fully prepared for it, um, I still don't know three years later if I'm fully prepared <laughs> for it, um, but, you know, I took that opportunity and ran with it. And where to go back to where I see some some young people go go astray is that you know they'll go to a school they'll work for two or three years um, they'll kind of be in the same spot and instead of you know trying to continue to move up or maybe move elsewhere to move up they'll go all right well let me go see if the grass is greener over here or over here and a lot of times I think that's where they get stuck and they're never able to kind of start growing because every two or three years they're just kind of doing the same thing um, and. And so hopefully, you know, that's kind of one of the pieces of advice I give to young people, not just in the sports communications field, um, 
but but in the real world in general, because I'm sure if it's happening in our field, it's probably happening elsewhere. Um, and what it's going to do is it's just going to take you a longer time to, to really reach the goals and, and where you want to get to. Awesome. So you kind of mentioned the, those times to where it, you, it's all right to kind of move away from where you are, whether mm-hmm. it be a bad work environment or something like that. Mm-hmm. So how, how is somebody going to get prepared for those types of opportunities or maybe uh, take advantage of those opportunities when they arise? I, I think the, the, the beauty of the industry we work in is that a lot of people um, do really enjoy helping younger people that have kind of been in, you know, in that boat. And, um, you know, the th- some of the things that Cosida obviously offers with the mentorships and, and stuff like that. I don't think you can ever um, get to know too many people in our industry. Um, you know, continue to always network, whether it's at Cosida or even, you know, when you're on the road. Um, for, you know, those of us, you know, a lot of people in the sports information uh, in profession get to travel with their sports. Some, you know, some don't at some of the lower levels as they're kind of growing or the smaller departments where it's just not really feasible. But when you do get the opportunity to travel, make sure you not only, you know, interact with, you know, the SID that you're, you're if you're at a basketball game, the opposing basketball SID, but the other people in the department if they're around. Because you never know down the line, um, you know, how that may, may be a benefit for you. And it may not necessarily be job-related, but it may be helping, you know, whether you're doing a research project or something on, on, on something um, or, or who knows on a variety of topics. But the more people you can get to know, the bigger your reach is um, as, you, as you go out, uh, and whether it's, you know, from finishing up as a student assistant to go get a job or to go get a graduate assistant um, position, it, it can really help um, that, you know, when people have, you know, faces and names, um, you know, it's, it's just something easier. You and I talked a little off air um, when we first met down at Cosida last year, and then when you reached out about, about doing this, to me it was instantly a no-brainer. You and I had reached, you know, we had talked to each other, um, even if it was just a couple minutes down at Cosida. But I was like, yeah, you know, that, that's those are the types of things. So even when you're at Cosida, there's, a, you know, a ton of things going on. Um, even And not just, you know, when, you know, at night comes around and there's, you know, the parties and some of the extra events. During the day, if, you know, Go introduce yourself to people. If, if there's a few people standing around and maybe you know one of them, well, go over, you know, say hi to them, but also introduce yourself to others because you just never know, um, you know, down the line um, what could happen. Uh, Will Owens, who's on our social media team right now, that's how we landed a GA spot here at Georgia State. Um, he was a senior at uh, up at Western Kentucky. They came down and played us here in, in football. Uh, I guess it was about our third or fourth season. Um, and it just kind of, you know, introduced himself to everybody and, about three or four months later, we had a, a graduate assistant uh, position come open. He put his name in. We already knew the name. Um, it was easy for us to call the head guy uh, at the department at the time, and he had great things to say about Will. And so it was easy for us. Um, and, and that's what you always want, and that's what I always want with my staff is when I'm hiring somebody, I don't want to risk them being a flop. You can put great stuff on a resume, but if you don't really, you know, if I don't really know you or can talk to people who I truly trust, I don't want to go through all the work of bringing you in, you know, and six months later having to get rid of you um, if I don't have to. Because as we all know, the hiring process, you know, at, at every school can be um, a little bit tricky, can be hard at times. So whatever, you know, those types of things. And, and I've, I've been fortunate that everybody we've brought in over the years since I, since I've been here, um, has worked out great. Those who have come in as graduate assistants have gone on to work at some really great schools like NC State and um, Notre Dame and Florida Gulf Coast and North Texas. Um, so I think that kind of all builds into what we're trying to do here. Uh, let's talk about something now that I think that you and I kind of have the same 
opinion on. Uh, that's the work-life balance stuff. Mm-hmm. That's like these, uh, we constantly kind of emphasize, we'll even touch on it, maybe even the fun questions here at the end. Mm-hmm. So some people think that they don't achieve it. Um, before I, I say something that I shouldn't, what do you think uh, is, is a great way to kind of realize for other SIDs that, hey, this is possible, what are maybe some steps that they can do to kind of have that balance that they so eagerly mm-hmm. want? Yeah, I get I get very frustrated by people who say you can't do it in our business um, because I think you absolutely can. You just have to you you've got to try and you and you've got to really come up with a plan that works. And then to be honest, you've probably got to have an athletic director um, who who understands it and appreciates it not only for the sports communications field but for all the fields in general. You also have to understand there are going to be times of the year where there probably is not a work life balance. When you get, you know, when you're a men's basketball SID and you get to the weeks of the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament, there is no work-life balance. But that's your, also your opportunity to shine. Um, you know, one of the big things I do here at Georgia State um, since since we ha- since I had kids, I've now got a five-year-old and a two-year-old, um, is that I leave work every day. You know, obviously when it's a little at, during basketball season, it can be a little tricky time. But I always try to leave work every day at five o'clock, and the reason for that is I will get to go home. I'll get to have dinner with my kids. I'll get to put my kids to sleep. And then if I still have work to do, I'll hop on the computer while I'm sitting on the couch from, you know, 8 to 9, respond to some emails, whatever the case may be, that I maybe would have done at, you know, 5.30 or 6 o'clock. But if I did that, I'd never get to see my kids. Mm -hmm. And so what it's done is it it does allow me to kind of have some of that work-life balance. Or I may go home, you know, and and take care of them, but then go for a run and then hop back on if I need to. Um, you know, stuff like that. Um, I'll try to come into the office a little earlier um, during basketball season where you can get some work done, you know, from 8 to 8.30, 8.45 before people really start showing up. Um, so it really just, it, it comes down to developing a plan and, and then sticking to it. And it, and it can work. Um, what I think a lot of SIDs and other professionals do is they'll go, all right, well, I can't leave until I get everything done. Well, then you get to, you know, 6 seven eight o'clock by the time you go home you can't really even unwind because it's time to you know time to crash a little bit um, and get up and do it again the next day if if you kind of do that even when i go home i really try to put my phone aside um you know i may take a peek at it once or twice that if there is something urgent that comes up um you know i can make a phone call or, or say yes or no on an email or something like that but it really is just if you come up with a plan and you stick to it and understand there will be times where you have to deviate from it um, but especially now, you know, where, where summer's, summer's coming up um, and it's more prep time for the fall sports, um, th- there's ways to do it. Um, you know, when you, when you take some time off, when you take a day off, you know, leave your phone behind or, you know, get away, get away for a little bit. Um, and, and it can be done. Yeah, uh, it absolutely can be done. I'm going to say this real quick before we move on. You know, one of my goals is always get in shape and stuff. I've always wanted to do a Spartan run. Uh, one of those obstacle courses, you know, you jump through fire. I'm nuts like that. But uh, I wanted it, but, you know, school got in the way and everything, so what did I do? I woke up earlier. I woke up at 7 o'clock, and I would get to the gym by 7.30. I mean, if you want something bad enough, it doesn't matter how how early I wake up or, or anything like that. I mean, it's just it's that life life work-life balance that I want. It's just prioritization, what you say, getting, getting, uh, yeah. You know, and, no, and that goes along with it. And I will um... – Every summer, I run the Peachtree Road Race um, for the non-Atlanta folks listening in. Um, it's the world's largest 10K. It's run July 4th morning, um, right down Peachtree Street, which is the biggest street here in Atlanta. 
Um, and it's just a, it's a good fun time. And I will start training for about time basketball season ends. Um, and obviously it's only a 10 K. It's not like I'm trying to train for a, a marathon where I need right. to go around, you know, four or five hours. But what I'll do is I'll look at my calendar or, or at least try to look at my calendar for the week and know, all right, is there a day where I can maybe sneak out a little bit early, um, or know that, all right, that night I'm not going to have anything else to do so that, you know, once kids are asleep, yeah, I can go out for an hour run and I'm not worried about, is my phone going to be blowing up because emails or anything like that? And then get one in on the weekends. Um, and it's worked over the years. And, and so this will actually be, I guess this is, this will be the seventh year I run it. And it truly is kind of like that going out and running. It's just kind of like a mental release mm-hmm. that I think whatever it is as an SID that you enjoy doing, whether it's, you know, going out for a run, painting, whatever the case is, find some time every week to go do it. And that'll also help along with that whole work-life balance. Yeah, absolutely. Find, just get that sort of release. You don't have to work yourself mm-hmm. to death. But uh, anyway, we could, we could beat that topic all day long. I mean, I feel like I could have my own little solo episode and it'd be, ah, gosh. But um, anyway, let's move on to some fun questions I usually like to ask. Uh, first one I have for you, Mike, is a favorite memory in your professional tenure. And you, you told me that you've got one in mind already. Yeah, so, um, you know, that was one of the things that is, I've listened to, listened to your podcast for a while. And I actually, I got it down to two. Um, and it's two of the sports that I've worked closely with uh, since I got back here to Georgia State. Um, the first one was actually the first year I was back here. Um, our baseball team had never won a conference title um, and, and had had some tough years before it. Um, and so it was the, the spring of my first year. Um, I, as somebody who loves baseball, grew up a diehard New York Mets fan, um, so had plenty of miserable years there. Um, we saw something in that baseball team that we had that we were going to be pretty good. Um, there was probably a little bit, you know, I was still young in the young in the industry, and there's probably a little bit of cockiness to to the group and, and, and stuff. Um, but we got off to a good start, a really good start to the year, um, and we kind of felt like nobody could get in the way of us. Uh-huh. And uh, so I started, you know, showing up to the ballpark a little earlier and stuff like that. Would hang out and hang out in the, in the in the dugout, you know, get to know the guys a lot better. And, and long story short, we ended up winning the conference championship that year, the CAA championship, and it's still the only. Um, baseball championship we've got, and it was something I was extremely proud to be a part of. Um, it's still something that uh, we look back on um, with, with a lot of enjoyment with the, those guys, and have stayed in touch with a lot of those guys over the years. Um, we were able to play an NCAA regional right across town um, at Georgia Tech, so it was one of those experiences where we could get a ton of media exposure, um, and, and it really worked out well. And I think that it was the perfect way to end my first year back in the business, um, and, and something I still have a lot of fond memories about. Um, the other one that only happened a couple years ago was was our big run in the NCAA tournament um, in 2015, where we kind of were the Cinderella story. Um, for those who don't remember, uh, it was a game Coach Hunter coached from a stool. Um, yeah. Because in the celebration the week before um, um, in New Orleans. Kevin uh, Ware was on that he, team. What you say? Kevin Ware was on that team? Yep, you got it. Yep. So there was a million storylines that we had going that week. Uh, Coach tears his Achilles. Um, in the championship game uh, on championship Sunday or selection Sunday um, that everybody sees. And it's like, oh, how's he going to coach and all this kind of stuff. Um, we were very fortunate that we got shipped just down to Jacksonville. So it was a little five-hour bus ride. Um, we, we had a lot of, a ton of national exposure that week because we had so many storylines. We had Coach Hunter and his son, RJ, in the NCAA tournament. Um, as you mentioned, Kevin Ware, uh, it was his return to the NCAA tournament um, after that terrible uh, leg injury that he suffered. Um, you had Ryan Harrow, who had played at Kentucky, um, who kind of got a, a second chance here at Georgia State when things didn't really go as well as he had planned there. Um, so there were all these great storylines. And it all 
all led up to us playing Baylor uh, in the first round. We were actually with the first game uh, to tip off that week. And uh, we trailed by 12 with two minutes and 53 seconds left. And I would later find out um, it was the largest comeback any school's ever had in like the last 20 years of the NCAA tournament. Wow. We finished the game on a 13-0 run. RJ hits a 30-foot three-pointer. Ron falls off the stool. Um, place goes nuts. Um, and it really has now led to, to the position I'm in. Um, so it was an incredible win. Uh, two days later, we unfortunately lost to Xavier uh, in a game that was the highest uh, shooting percentage game in like 10 or 15 years of the NCAA tournament. Um, so we were able to still go out, you know, with our heads held high. Uh, it was it was a ton of fun that week. I made contacts with, as somebody who loves sports, uh, with so many great people in the, in, in the industry, um, people that I still stay in touch with today when, when we have some really great things that happen at Georgia State. And so uh, it was always a lot of fun. Uh, in my office uh, is a large 24 by 36 picture of RJ, the shot. Um, as well as right underneath it is the actual stool that uh, Ron sat on that week. I've just always kept it um, for one day when we have a Georgia State Athletics Hall of Fame. Love to put it in there, but um, it, that the whole that whole week meant so much to the program um, and so much for my career that uh, that it'd be hard for me not to, to mention that as one of my favorite moments uh, since I've been back in this business. Yeah, fun fact: I was uh, front row for Kevin Ware's injury. Uh, Were you it, really? It was, yeah, it was probably about ten fifteen feet away from me. Uh, he so- and I- we spent a lot of time, I don't want to say talking about it, but talking about everything that kind of went on around it. Uh-huh. Um, and then even when when Louisville won the Final Four that year, it was actually here in Atlanta uh, mm-hmm. at the Georgia Dome. So he and I, we didn't know each other at the time, but we would talk about it later on and work together. Um, unfortunately, most of the time, he was pretty well drugged up trying to keep the pain away of, you know, I don't ever want to think about getting a rod stuck in my leg yeah. uh, or put in my put into my leg. Um, but, you know, we had we had a lot of fun that week and got to tell a lot of great stories and it's something we still reminisce about obviously a few years later so what about on the other side of the coin what's your biggest horror story i will say i've been very fortunate um that i really haven't had a whole lot um i don't know if this would necessarily qualify as a as a horror story but an unfortunate situation we had here at georgia state um earlier this year um we had a young lady on our women's soccer team um who was out um having doing things she probably shouldn't have done at her age as a freshman. Um, and she posted some pretty insensitive comments, um, racially driven, uh, on Instagram and word started to get out. Um, and, and so obviously it was something that our office had to, to go through, um, and, you know, and, and, and deal with. And, and, and it was a very much a learning experience, um, for a lot of us because there's a, there's a fine line between somebody posting, um, very insensitive remarks and freedom of speech and how that can all kind of play out together. And, um, you really have to be careful when, you know, when you're drafting a release or you're putting out a statement, um, or even putting something up on social media because you can't infringe on her rights. But at the same point, you want people to understand that you acknowledge what she did was insensitive. Um, and and so finding that fine line. Um, and, and so it was, it was a very interesting, um, I'll say, seven-day period um, that actually, you know, ended uh, meeting with the president of our school, so we could kind of talk about all the things that went right over the previous week or the previous seven days, and what, and what some of the things we maybe didn't do um, the way we should have, and, and timing of some stuff. So, um, you know, that would, I would say, as much of as unfortunate incident, um, it was also a learning experience that hopefully that not only my department can use, but others um, can use as an experience down the line. 
Uh, you already mentioned a bunch of stuff that you would say to some young professionals, but if you had to reiterate or pick out another thing, what's some advice you give to a student going into this profession? The, the, the biggest thing to me, um, and this is something I think not only for this profession, uh, but something that I, I, I kind of I, I try to model my life after, um, is that respect is the most important thing out there. Whether it's you know respecting others or wanting to be respected in return. And if you can master, I don't want to say master that, but if you can, you can under, truly understand that, everything else you want in life will come along with it. Um, you know, if you have the respect of your athletic director and you're respecting others, when it's time for a promotion to come up, you might have a shot at it. Um, whether it, you know, if you have the respect of, you know, fellow SIDs, you know, if if, if you need help, they're going to respond to an email a whole lot quicker. Um, so to me, that's. The one thing I probably reiterate more than anything else um, is that always work toward being respectful and, and garnering respect. Um, and as I said, it's, I think that's something that came along well before um, I ever got in the sports communications field. I'm sure that that came along for my parents, you know, many, many years ago. Um, but I've always followed it and it seems to work pretty well. Awesome. So what, what is uh, one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Um, the one thing that I kind of want to keep pushing in this profession is, is learning more on the video and graphic side. Um, it was something that I, I kind of always started to enjoy doing was a little more basic. Um, as I've kind of grown, um, I find it's kind of the last thing on my back burner. Uh, when you run an apartment, there's a lot more paperwork. There's a lot more meetings. There's a lot more of that type of stuff. And at some point, something gets cut. Um, it's still, you know, designing a cool graphic. Um, within a timely manner, which is one of those kind of goes back to having a, a work-life balance of, you know, some people I think spend a little too much time on something that for what it's going to get seen, but um, doing some cool stuff like that, um, probably learn a little more after effects, um, stuff like that. We started in our department doing a lot more gifts mm -hmm. this past year, um, which I think has a little more value than just a regular standalone um, static graphic. So that's something hopefully in the not too distant future. Um, and then as you and I kind of talked about, um, hopefully launching a podcast for Georgia State Athletics uh, before too long um, and learning all the ins and outs of, of, of what, what will go on to make that successful. Um, and hopefully that's something I can do this summer. Um, let, let's see here. Uh, what makes a good SID? Um, yeah, kind of a loaded question. I think there's question. a lot of things. There's definitely a lot of things that can make a good SID. One of the things that I, I will say – um, we live in a world of email. There's there's no question about that. And I think most people um, communicate via email more than just picking up a phone and, and stuff like that. Um, what I always try to preach to my staff, whether they're a GA, an intern, um, or a full-time employee, is end your day responding to all your emails. Now, that doesn't mean you have an answer for everything or you may have to you know do some research and stuff. But if you at least acknowledge to the other person that, hey, you're working on this, um, or, you know, give me a day or two and I'll be able to find all that information for you. Um, it can go a long way to kind of everything else. You know, same thing with voice messages and stuff like that. Um, so usually what I do is I always end my day responding to emails and usually start my day. First thing, let me get, you know, the emails and stuff out of the way. Because you never know when there's a time where somebody else is just waiting on a yes or no answer, whether it's, you know, a fellow SID or somebody in the compliance office or marketing office, and they can't do their job without your response. Um, you know, I also will go along with when you can get up, get out of your office every little bit, walk down, you know, talk to your marketing department. We have, a, we've got a great external operations crew here and we're very fortunate that we're able to have everybody 
within a pretty pretty close area. So when there is stuff, you know, we're working on posters or working on graphics or whatever the case is, we're all right there and we can kind of get answers pretty quick. But sometimes, you know, those simple simple responses to people can, can really help, you know, go a long way to what they're trying to do as well. Because, you know, whether you're a rival school or, or somebody, you know, you got a friend with, um, it, it can really, really help out. And that's, at the end of the day, um, it, it drives some of our, um, I don't want to say student workers, but some of our younger people that, you know, our fans that have gotten to know that some of my better friends in the industry are at, at quote, rival schools. For those of us in the sports communications field, there really isn't, there really aren't rivals. Right. I mean, if, if I don't give, obviously our big rivals, Georgia Southern, if I don't help them get the information they need before we go into a basketball game, why are they going to help me out? And then we're both, you know, not help. You know, it, it just, it causes more problems. We're there to, you know, our whole field is there to help each other out. And I, I think for the most part, everybody does a really good job with that. Uh, we already kind of talked a lot about work-life balance. You, you do some running. You like the beach. Is there anything else you do to have fun? When you have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, they keep you uh, on your toes 24-7. Um, you know, so obviously there's a lot of time spent with them. Uh, my five-year-old little guy, um, LJ, absolutely adores um, anything to do with Georgia State. He doesn't fully understand it all yet, um, but loves being around the te- you know, our team, especially our men's basketball team. Um, and they treat him so well, it, it, it's it's just ridiculous. Um, my little two-year-old has got me wrapped around her finger um, to the point that, you know, I joke with people when she's 16, it's not going to be, hey, Dad, can I have a car? It's going to be, hey, Dad, can I have a Porsche? And uh, my <laughs> response is going to be, yeah, sure, of course you can have a Porsche. Um, you know, so, you know, that takes up, you know, a, a, a large chunk of that, you know, after work um, time. Thankfully, I have an incredible wife of seven years um, who understands what I do for a living. Um, and you know, when we are in season goes the extra mile, the extra distance to, to take care of some of that stuff. Um, and then, you know, when we get out of season, make sure I'm well aware that I'm out of season, um, and, and can take care of some of those honeydew lists and, uh, all the extra stuff that, uh, you know, I don't have during basketball season and stuff like that. Uh, next time someone's in Atlanta, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Um, if you've got a, if you've got a little bit of time in Atlanta, and obviously there is a ton of great food. Um, right. in the city. We are fortunate that our campus is in the heart of downtown. Uh, my favorite place, um, there's only two of them in Atlanta. It's a little uh, taqueria called Verde. Great tacos, great scenery, um, nachos, all that whole nine yards. Uh, love it to death. Was actually just took my wife there for Mother's Day um, on, on Sunday. Relatively inexpensive too, which is which is really cool. Um, if you're just you know in town quick, uh, hit up anyone you know on campus, whether it's playing us at Georgia State or, or whatever. Hit up one of the barbecue spots. There's a ton of great barbecue in this town. Whether it's Daddy D's, which is actually right across from our, uh, our football practice facility, uh, or Fox Brothers, which is right down the street. I mean, there's so many barbecue places in this town. Um, any of them that, that look like a dive means they're really, really good. Awesome. Cool. Uh, if anybody wanted to uh, get in touch with you, maybe follow up with you, network with you, what would be the best way to do it? Um, really email, Twitter, whatever the case is. Um, I do love... You know, interacting with young people, as we talked about earlier, uh, my email address is rhomes, H-O-L-M-E-S, uh, at gsu.edu. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Don't post a lot of Georgia State stuff on there, but uh, have a lot of fun with my, my, my favorite teams and stuff. Uh, I've taken the an interesting route, I guess, from a Twitter handle in the world of SIDedom, SIDedom if that's a word. <laughs> um, it's actually Mr. Beachbum 23 um, I had it before I got back in the field. 
just kind of felt like it gave me some personality, something a little different. People remember it. Um, so I've kind of always got it, but feel free to reach out. Um, I'm always glad as I love helping young people out, um, whenever I can, especially when we're now kind of in an off season where I can you know, take some more phone calls or shoot some more emails, whatever the case is. Um, you know, if I can lend a hand, that, that, that's part of what, what our industry is and what I think is really good about it. Perfect. Well, uh, Mike, thank you very much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. And all the best to you is, you know, you keep, I know you're up to mid seventies uh, in episodes. So oh, yeah. 100 is going to be here before you know it. Yeah, I know it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got to do something special, right? That's going to be, yeah, I don't know. We'll think about something. But uh, again, thanks for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And guys, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Be sure to leave us a rating and a review over on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Tune in wherever you get these episodes. Uh, and just leave a little review that says, says hi. Uh, that'd be nice. Or you can email me and do that or DM me personally. Our email is sportsinfocast at gmail.com. Uh, next week, we will have Clark Tusher from North Central College and the Cardinals. Uh, big time cross country guy for me. And when I was back really big into collegiate cross country, and I still kind of am, I keep an eye on it. Um, breaking both of your legs at the same time kind of ruins that for you. But uh, I, I know North Central <laughs> very fondly. I know of the uh, legacy that they have, and I know that also some of the other successes that their sports have. So Clark and I will chat next week, and then we will get that out to you next Thursday. That will be episode number 77. Again, you can follow us on social media, at Sports Infocast, and be sure to subscribe to the show. Guys, that's all I have for you today. I thank you for listening. I'll catch you all in the next episode.